Hello and welcome to TBR Spotlight from the Big Review Ski, your companion podcast to Loki on Disney+. Plus. Come with us now on a journey through time and space as we dive deep into Episode 5, Journey into Mystery. My name's Owen and I'm joined by someone who self-loves himself so much that it's rumoured that he's been personally responsible for multiple Nexus events <laughs> across various timelines, including three today already. Count wow. them. One, two, three. Yeah. Well, I was right, Rory Cashin. You're the one doing all the self-loving. How yeah. are you today? I'm good. Yeah, well, you're right. I do like a, I do like a good pruning every now and then. So, Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, no, like I appreciate that intro. It's very um, close to the bone, let's say. <laughs> a bit too real. <laughs> <laughs> so... Listen, episode five of Loki has just landed this morning. Yes. We both just watched it. Yes. And the first thing that you've said to me is, you're like, I've got notes. I've got notes. I can got see notes. that notes have been noted. Yeah. Things have been written. Yeah. Is this more notes than usual? Less notes than usual? How many notes are we looking at? I've got like, I've had to write um, like bullet points um, because if I was just to do the notes as they are in my mind, um, it would be it would, it would just be me reading my notes for the rest of this episode. Fair enough. This was in my mind at points the best episode of Loki so far, and yes. at points the worst episode of Loki so far. Okay, well you've got me hooked, you've mm. got me intrigued. But before we get stuck into it, okay, um, I'd like to get a bit serious, please, if that's okay. First of all, oh, I mean, it's not like you to be serious about <laughs> anything. So I'm, I'm, you know, you've got me hooked. Well, I'd like to take this moment to officially issue a formal apology to you, <laughs> Rory, uh-huh. uh, to the Big Reviewski family, um, my actual family as well, who aren't speaking to me anymore as a result of my actions, which is fair enough. It's right, understandable. Okay. For shame. Because last, shame. <laughs> for shame, last week I said something, mm. uh, something I shouldn't have, um, something I wish I could take back and something that was just wrong and really, really really stupid so Rory last week this could be anything it literally could be the full (laughs) show uh last week I said this there's a goat there's a goat I thought it was is it a goat okay I I I looked back twice and I was like is that a crocodile that he's holding so I clearly didn't see that right Um, (laughs) well no but but he's wearing little antler things goat horns yeah (laughs) goat I said it was a goat. I was adamant it was a goat. I said he was wearing goat horns, but no, he's not wearing goat horns nope. because he's not a goat. He no. is and always has been, in fact, an alligator. Yeah. And so for that, I'd like to apologize because, Rory, this is a goat. Yes. This is an alligator. <laughs> goat. <laughs> alligator. That second one is flatulent for sure. <laughs> I was going to say I haven't had my breakfast yet, so I'm, I'm slightly peckish. This does so explain because right before we started recording, you and Paul got very like uh, Machiavellian in the corner. You're like, it's so good. Whisper, whisper, whisper. What the hell is all this? I thought it was because it was my birthday was coming up, but apparently it was just for this podcast, and that's. Don't be stupid about the birthday thing. (laughs) Listen, hopefully that's... I was hoping they wouldn't really focus on the alligator goat issue too much in this week's episode. No. But having just watched it, it plays quite a (laughs) key role. It sure uh, does. So hopefully 
we can move on. Do you accept my apology first and foremost? I mean, we all make mistakes, okay, and that's yes. fine. I the the problem, my now issue is, is that I have to self evaluate because I allowed you to stir me towards believing it was a go, and I was like, I was sure it was it, it was a crocodile or something. I was sure of it, and you were like, no, go, and I was like, I mean, all right, like he sounds pretty confident about it. So what I need to do is start trusting you less. Okay, off the that's... back of goat gate. <laughs> Goatgate. Okay, here we are. Well, um, listen, that's all fair. Um, well, listen, choose whether to believe me or not in true Loki fashion. So let's get stuck into the episode because uh, right at the start, this opening scene, we kind of get, it's almost like a mini recap, this one twisty, turny shot as it brings mm. us through the TVA, uh, the decapitated timekeeper. Uh, which we now know is a mindless android, uh, through the ruined city. And we're still wondering, where is this place? Uh, into the golden uh, elevator doors. And <laughs> I was trying to, I think I almost pulled like a muscle in my neck, like trying to follow everything that, that was going on. But uh, you have to admire the writers immediately because Loki's pretty much his first words are like, what is this place? Where are we? And who are you? And well, to be fair to them, Richard E. Grant does step up and answer those questions straight away. Well, he does and he doesn't. We've got, we've actually, like, yeah, when it lands, well, here's Loki now, he's he's asking the questions that we would all have wanted. Well, we were asking both every episode so far and specifically at the start of this episode. I'd like to suggest we take a quick breather so I can ask several thousand questions. Tom, gotta keep moving so we don't die. I can get behind that or what's your plan? Don't die. Okay, understood, but beyond that. Don't die. Don't die isn't a plan. It's a general demand of living. If you're Lokis, you should always have a plan. Will someone please explain to me what the hell is going on? Yeah, so that's where we're all Loki, which is actually one of my running theories. But uh, in this in this moment, we're all like, "What is happening now? What? Why? Why? And what? And where? And when? And how? And um, who? I guess, yeah." <laughs> yeah. Well, Richard E. Grant he spits it out. He goes, "This is the void. That's Alioth, and where his lunch." come on and off they go mm. and so immediately you're like swirling and you're like who the who the hell is Elliot? so you look over at this massive cloud uh well bellowing beast essentially in mm. the sky um so have we any do you want to jump into what or who or when it is now yes i can see you nodding excitedly yeah so i've got some stuff on Elliot. one is uh i don't like big cloud creatures in movies fair enough um, we got one in Ang Lee's Hulk at the end. Didn't care for it. We got one in, uh, what was it? Rise of the Silver Surfer. Remember we had that big angry cloud? Yeah. We got one <laughs> angry clouds. in um, the Green Lantern. Was a big angry cloud. Um, and I think there was another one somewhere. in the, was Is the thing at the end of Doctor Strange, that big floaty thing, that was kind of an, an evil oh, cloud Oh, Dormammu. Well. Yeah. That, that big boy. He's kind of more of a big kind of head and existential kind of celestial being type job. But yeah, I'm sure he takes a cloud form every so often. <laughs> I mean, just scoot around. <laughs> but yeah, like, it's uh, it seems to be a hang-up on superhero movies. Where it's like, how do we... How do we get across that this is evil, but without having to go back to how it looked like in the comic book? And we're like, we'll make it a cloud. Um, and the other ones weren't clouds, the ones I listed there. Whereas Alioth is a cloud in the comic books. He's an evil cloud. And he kind of rules a part in the comic books that's just basically limbo. And the only reason why Alioth hasn't broken free of limbo and started devouring all matter and energy in every timeline is because of one person who has kept it in check 
for thousands of years. And that one person who has kept it in limbo is Kang the Conqueror. Oh, that guy's back again. Yes. So we have mentioned him a lot because in the comic books, uh, Kang's girlfriend or, well, sometimes girlfriend is uh, Ravonna Renslayer. Although when she becomes his girlfriend, she then renames herself as Terminatrix. Not oh, that's kidding. That's just the great. That's the greatest <laughs> name of all time. Um, and we, there was also the rumors that one of the timekeepers looked an awful lot like Jonathan Majors, who is playing Kang the Conqueror in Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania in twenty twenty three. So there's, it's all tying back to Kang in the comic books. But as we know from the MCU, sometimes they like you to lead you down a garden path, and either it's exactly what you thought it was all along, or you know it wasn't. So. The, the best guess we have right now is that this is all bringing us back to Kang. Uh, but yeah, that's who Alioth is. Okay, so that's that cleared up. Um, I was disappointed to hear that Richard E. Grant called the place The Void um, because I did prefer our term of uh, prunatory from last week anyway. But that is much listen, we'll stick, we'll stick with the actual Marv, uh, Marvel official titles. Um, so then we're back into the TVA and immediately where we left off last week where Sylvie has got... Uh, basically, Renslayer's on the ground. She's completely vulnerable. She's saying, just prune me. I don't care, whatever. Um, and so begins, like, Renslayer basically trying to be a sort of Loki because she's like, you can trust me. Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. Let's work together. Um, so, but we do get uh, a little bit more information into the explanation of pruning and what it is and that it's somebody, they haven't been destroyed. They've just been transferred uh, ultimately, obviously, in the hope that this beast, this angry cloud, uh, devours them once they get there. Um, we still don't really know why. She says it's at the end of time. Everything collides at the same point and just stops there. We're not really sure. Again, Sylvie doesn't believe Because it's still her. being written, I think. She's yeah, saying that yeah. the end of time is still being created. I do have a tiny problem with this scene. That's not in the same room where the last episode ended. Where, yeah, yeah, they bring her down to the interrogation room, it looks like. Uh, yeah, so it's almost as if... She, how did she get her through all the security standing outside the timekeeper's room and then get her into another room to do that? But you see, I actually... Do you know what? I need to go back and check something in last week's episode because I thought I thought exactly the same thing. Right. I was like, oh, it has the numbers on the wall behind them, so it must be one of the interrogation rooms again. And same thought. is like, how did she move her down? Because... Renslayer's still lying on the ground in the same position yeah. as she was at the end of last week. But I just think maybe whenever uh, the timekeepers powered down last week, the androids, uh, presumably their smoke machine was, uh, you know, shut off as well. Uh-huh. And then that might still be part of the design of the back of that room. It's so not, we need to check. It's, it's not, not because all okay. behind them in the in the timekeeper's room was like an MC Escher the painting. Stairs. It was like the stairs going in millions of different directions. Where in this, it just looks like, Ravona's courtroom because when um Sylvie makes a jump for it at the end she hops behind the the kind of court bench yeah which definitely wasn't in their smoke machine room so she they have moved to another room but without showing us how they got there which is a lazy not a fan no do you know what it's time travel it's time travel and temp pads just don't, don't question it all right? Oh, right yeah and that's that completely cleared up okay. uh, no issues whatsoever so that's that. Then we jump back into the void and we're seeing it's a whole mixture of um, it's like the Bermuda Triangle of stuff like the pirate ships. And uh, mm. there's a helicopter in the background with Thanos written on it. Yes. I don't know if that means anything. <laughs> I mean, I know this who Thanos will is. be like frame by frame Easter egg stuff. Oh, 
100%. Because I'm sure, like, at the very, when we come into it first and we kind of land into the city and it does that pan straight across and you can see, again, the Avengers Tower is ruined off yeah. to one side. There's one building that's standing at the front. Oh, yes, it looks that's like right. a It looks yeah. like a lighthouse or something. And I because I was like, well, I don't know where we are, um, so there's no point in paying attention to it. But later, when stuff is shown to us, I was like, I'm going to have to go back and go through all this. And I'm sure that that first landmark that we're shown is going to be something. Because, well, we'll get to it, but there's there's something else that's dropped into the void later on. And it's it's got D.B. Cooper-esque mystery backstory behind it. But we'll get to that. Amazing. Okay, okay. So looking forward to that. So, um, as I say, we're back in the void and the Lokis are kind of getting together. And no matter what uh, our Loki is mm. trying to get out of them, they're like, no, the plan is just don't die, don't die, don't die. Yeah, uh, it's a good plan. I support it. So this is when they find their like lost season two bunker in yeah. their, in, in, that they're, they're hiding out in. And that's where we see the Thanos helicopter. And we do a pan through the ground. And we see like lunch trays. So... And... You've got a question I can see already. Go on. This is one of my favorite parts of the episode because Uh it feels like there's so much more in this because, as you said, uh, it starts to pan down as Mm. they're obviously traveling down into their bunker, their lost bunker. Actually, I'm glad you brought up Lost because that was the other angry cloud I was thinking of, the big smoke monster in Lost. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it kind of has the the tentacles, the black smoke ones. The tendrils, yeah, absolutely. um, So uh, this pan down the way. So as you said, first of all, like loads of dinner trays, like school dinner trays mm. or something. Then Mjolnir, just like a, a, a massive yep. Mjolnir. Uh, and then what I thought was, it's somebody, I kept rewinding it. Is it a tiny Thor? So when I watched it first, my first thought was, remember in Avengers Assembled, when yeah. he's trapped Thor into that glass cage and he drops it from the helicarrier. Like Thor, right. can't, Thor, he has to like fly around and he uses his hammer to get over. I thought it was that, and Thor hadn't made it over in this timeline. Okay, but then I went back and looked at it again, and it's actually Throg. Who's Throg? Thank you, thank you so much for setting that up for me. Throg is Thor as a frog. Are you serious? Yes, Throg. <laughs> so, <laughs> hold on. No, are you sure it's not a goat? Uh, do you have sound clips for me to go back and forth between a frog and a goat? You don't. <laughs> if I'd known we were... <laughs> <laughs> that was unexpected. Do you have a frog like on I hand? Do. Mm. <laughs> um, but no, it's uh, no, it is. It's it's Throg. So, because I rewinded a couple of times, uh, and I'll have to rewind it again, because I saw like a red cape, I thought, like, yep. kind of jumping up and down. Um, well, that makes sense. Frogs jump. So, of course. I mean, it doesn't make sense, but in, the, con- so in the context of, of the show, it's no no bigger a mystery than anything else, I guess. Like, it's amazing, because then I was thinking, right, are they going to make Mjolnir some kind of important plot point? But like, no, it's not. It's just, these are just, as you said, these are just nuggets and Easter mm. eggs and other food-related I, terms for I small d- hidden things. Do you have, like, I want to know why there's so many lunch trays. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. Well, actually, because a school bus pops up later on, so there's been some poor school buses uh, and yeah. school children presumably have been <laughs> pruned uh, into the void. Yeah. Uh, but at, at at this moment, um, 
we get some explanations. I know you, you've already gone into what uh, Aliath is. Uh, from the different Lokis, they say he's a monster in the sky, a living tempest that consumes matter and energy. And I like uh, Richard E. Grant's classic Loki's version of it. He says he's a shark tank, and Aliath is the shark as well. And again, they just sit here, and you could watch a sitcom of these guys just all kind of sitting in their really comfy chairs. And again, speaking of Easter eggs, I'm sure this place is absolutely jam-packed. Yeah. Uh, in the bunker with um, all their various things. There's arcade games, there's candy cane sticks, there's a bowling alley, a bath as well. Different letters scattered about the place as well that seem to have been taken from a carnival or a fun fair. And, you know, again, the writers and set designers are probably just having a lot of fun going, everybody is going to lose their mind, you yeah. know, pausing every uh, single frame um, at this moment. So uh, I loved their little uh, setup here, and obviously, when they just start exchanging stories about, uh, well, Boastful Loki, obviously, just explaining how great he actually is as well. Yeah, Boastful Loki, he killed our, our Captain America and Iron Man, apparently. So he says, but they don't believe him. Then. They don't believe him. Uh, Kid Loki said he killed Thor. That was his nexus mm-hmm. point. That was a bit of a out of the blue. That was just as they were going into the bunker. He's like, "I killed Thor," and you're like, "Ooh, he dark though." He looks dangerous. Um, yeah. And I enjoyed. I, I can't remember if it was here later on, but it does feed back nicely into, um, the, the overall arcing kind of thing around Loki. And that it, when we hear Richard E. Grant tell his nexus point was essentially missing his brother and wanting. Wanting human, well, not human contact, like contact, like company again, and the nexus point is proving to be that any time a Loki chooses not to be alone, that's when the TVA close in because they're meant to be alone. Yeah, uh, which does tie up nicely to the gross interactions <laughs> between uh, Loki and Sylvie, which we're still petered out a bit in this. Um, We'll get to it, but like I did enjoy, yeah, they all, especially Richard E. Grant, because he he really nailed like the the comedy, and then that kind of very sad, just kind of I'm meant to be uh, all by myself in this entire universe, and I pushed everyone away, and you're like, oh, Richard E. Grant, oh, yeah, that moment when he says, "I was lonely, I miss my brother." Uh, I know you've got brothers, uh, Rory, or maybe one. I don't know. I don't look into your personal life. Thank I've you. got brothers, but that that bit that bit hit me hard. And one of them thinks he's a god as well. So um, <laughs> that kind of ties into into all of that. Just in between this little sequence in the bunker, they break it up very slightly to go back to the TVA, where Miss Minutes p- pops back up, and we had heartbreaking. <laughs> what was heartbreaking my heart about this is moment? Broken. Miss Minutes isn't good. This is the th- well. Hold on a wee second, pump the brakes, because Miss Minutes is still doing what Renslayer tells her to do or asks her to do. She never asked her to, to lie. She lied. Oh, she well, was that, like, I'm totally looking for this file, you totally... I. She she instigated looking for a made-up file. Miss Minutes did that. When she mentioned the Void spacecraft. All, and I, the second she was like, well, there is the Void spacecraft. And you're like, oh yeah, I was like... Sylvia, how stupid are you? Get get the hell out of there. They're clearly stalling for time. It was like, how much um, longer? Oh, not not too much longer now until I totally find this file. Don't you even yeah, worry about it. Like, well, it's brilliant, uh, the part of the, the visual effects crew who have created her because they give her her perfect facial expression. Um, and she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm just scrolling through <laughs> here. Just going to find this file any second now. And giving um, Renslayer those kind of wee looks as well. I'm going to be honest, I was completely gullible and I fell for all. I was like, maybe 
you know what? Maybe Renslayer isn't so bad. Maybe there is a void spacecraft. So I kept losing myself in the moment and mm. then being completely like having the rug pulled out for me uh, immediately. Now, over I'm not and over again. sure how bad she is yet. Yes. She's bad for sure because she is prune happy and a liar. And she keeps like, especially when she was a B 15, she's interrogating. Oh, yes. She interrogates her later in the episode. She's a meanie pants in that scene. But like, um, I'm still not. I I'm still unsure as to how much he does or doesn't know. Uh, so I will give that to uh, Gugu and Bathory that she's she's still kind of perfectly balancing that line of yeah. Where do you actually fall on the good to evil ratio? Uh, so yeah, so that's still one kind of mystery for me is that uh, how involved actually is she? Perfectly balanced. As everything should be. Thanos yeah. would be a fan of her. He would. Definitely. Yeah, if he if she hadn't pruned him, probably. <laughs> also, this speaking of pruning, this is the moment where Sylvie self-prunes herself. Big and the guard turns around, she self-pruned herself. <laughs> which is uh, a great line. Um, but yeah, she kind of says, I have one good memory. And I presume, are we talking about, as you, you know, the icky moment? Uh, icky in your eyes, anyway. Um, from last week's episode. I'm wondering, is that the one good moment? It might be. But anyway, she prunes herself, and obviously uh, we see her waking up uh, in the school bus in the void slightly later. But just on the um, back to the bunker scene, because there's a couple of things in here in terms of those Easter eggs I spotted. There's mm. uh, They're drinking Roxy box wine, <laughs> which is just the box wine um and it says like exceptional pinot noir um <laughs> which you know red wine definitely uh feels like a very low-key drink as well yep. the music in the background i hadn't realized until i saw it in the credits later um it's actually it's oasis it's wonderwall um but it's a it's a different version it's the mike flowers pops version like a real kind of lounge easy <laughs> listening uh type job as well so wonderwall's on the background uh as well as you said classic loki tells his story uh, at this moment um, it did feel like there was a bit of a predator moment here um, whenever they're building Loki up and he's saying listen if it's a shark then we can we can kill sure. the shark and it's like full Arnie going if it bleeds we can kill it uh, and again the others just kind of laughing at him but this is the moment when Loki is just like you know I give up um, I'm going to go outside the bunker open the bunker and there we have President Loki, as he's officially known, yep. uh, according to the uh, the subtitles and the credits as well. So this was the moment uh, he kind of looks up, sees the other Loki with all the guys around, and he says, this is a nightmare. And I wrote down the notes, I was like, this episode is a lot of fun, just. There's so much <laughs> fun going on. Like, they're definitely having a lot of crack with this as well. Then we're back to Sylvie waking up again. Uh, and I thought she was using her magic here. I didn't understand what was happening whenever she catches this glimpse of... Not me neither. That was confusing. Really confusing. Yeah. Because I thought, is that Asgard she's looking at? Or where is she? Yeah. I, I just, I didn't know what was going on. Obviously, we get a bit more uh, information on that later on whenever she says, oh no, I was able to almost find a connection with uh, Alioth whenever I managed to, to touch her. But the next thing is we hear a horn honking and... Uh, this was like anytime a horn is honking, I get excited anyway. But um, what did you think of this moment when it's fucking Mobius rocks up again? Uh, thankfully, not dead. Yeah, like it was, uh, happiness, just great. Oh, thank God he's back. Like you missed him, even though he wasn't gone that long this time. Um, I will have to look more into it. Was obviously a, a pizza delivery car, 
Yeah, not a jet ski. He, he, no, unfortunately not. Um, it's coming. It has to. <laughs> it has to come there. Um, but yeah, a pizza, a pizza car. So I wonder if that's tied to anything. I didn't catch the name of the pizza delivery service or uh, I just saw the, the, the word pizza on the car uh, yeah. as well as giant slice of pizza as yeah. well. But no, that was it. Uh, and then they hook up and not hook up. They get into have to be very careful with the words we use because hook up actually. <laughs> so she gets into the car and they they drive off and he, they have a nice little bantery back and forth uh, and escape. So yeah, like it's this is the first proper time we've seen the two of these together. Yeah, on screen uh, and it pays off actually fantastically well later in the episode. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's just it's he's just so great in this. Like, I don't have a bad word to say about Owen Wilson. And Owen, if you just said to me prior to 2021, Owen Wilson is going to steal the show in one of these, like, he's not that great. He kind of plays himself in everything. And if for some reason that's totally fine here, it just works so magnificently. So, yeah, just, I was just, w- w- the second I seen the car, I was like, it, I didn't even know it was him yet, but I knew it was him. And I was just happy. Are you in love with Owen Wilson? Yeah, I want to kiss him. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, we'll see if we can get that set up. Um, so we're back into President Loki in the bunker, and this is the scene where everybody doubles, triple, quadruple crosses each other, where it turns out they were all playing each other all along in terms of trying to claim the throne of mm. like King of the Lokis in this kingdom. Um, there is a brilliant insult in here. You get the, you beef-witted half-face scrubs, <laughs> um, which again felt like old uh original loki anyway but again in terms of having the fun and playing things for laughs it looks like there are lokis who have fashioned loki helmets just out of bits and pieces of things they have found whereas some of them have more elaborate like golden crowns but the funniest bit in this episode for me anyway was whenever uh each time someone discovers that the alligator is actually another loki variant or they think it is anyway and then the look the alligator runs over and just bites off his hand <laughs> immediately and he just he holds his like bloody stump up and he just screams basically uh which is uh yeah no i just i watched the scream uh, a number of times. <laughs> yeah no it was uh the the alligator loki was used for so many great punchlines yeah in this um there's another one later on where where he's <laughs> he, the alligator just growls something and Loki's like, see, he's on board. And classic yeah. Loki's like, no, no, he's he's praying because he he's thinks praying. we're all going to die. It's it, like it's it should not have worked as well as it did. And also, when um, the alligator first goes for Tom Hiddleston, Loki, I think, yeah, and then they have to kind of wrestle him off and like throw him <laughs> back into the pool. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, and every now and again they'll just cut back to it, and he, it's just like doing a weird bug-eyed blink. Uh, people in the room it's just it's very funny that's it. it as you said it's used for multiple punchlines and they're all perfectly uh played and then it is that look because um there's a moment whenever i think right near the start of the episode whenever our loki says something and all the loki's can look at each other uh giving each other like a new one look and they include the alligator loki yeah. and its eyes are just poking <laughs> all over the place so no it's uh it's really really well done um so in the the hustle and the bustle of boastful Thor or boastful um, Loki shouting at the other ones, he's like, "Take that, Loki!" <laughs> Which is just a, a great line because they're all just whacking each other. Um, classic Loki, kid Loki, alligator Loki, and our Loki all escape, uh, and they decide to to make their way uh, towards uh, Alioth. And then at the very same time, uh, the conversation in the car between Mobius and Sylvie, they're kind of having the same revelation, and she's mm. like, "We need to go." 
um, to whatever that thing is, uh, the angry cloud, as Owen Wilson calls it. And again, I presume Owen Wilson came up with that. And so he's like, let's go to the angry cloud. But just before both parties converge at the at the foot, I don't know if he even has feet, uh, of Aliath, we get this giant warship mm. um, which drops out of the sky, which has obviously been pruned or reset from some other timeline. And those poor sailors, uh, they don't know what they're in for. But was this the moment you were teasing me with? Yes, I, I am a terrible tease. One quick question. What was that thingy that Kid Loki was carrying? Did you see the little oh, device he was yeah. walking around with? I thought, for a moment, I thought it was like a remote control car controller. And I was like, I don't remember seeing any remote control car anyway. So they didn't set that up, should they? Didn't, they didn't explain what that was? No, no. The, the, the first moment I saw it as well was whenever they were walking along and he had it in his hand. So maybe there was something and it was slightly rewritten, potentially. Or maybe, no, I don't think it's going to come back. Well, see, I was like, oh, does he, is this using, is he using this to pull stuff into the void? You okay. know, like, because uh, he, because they knew that's where the ship was going to land. And they yeah. were like, we can use this to, as a, as a, uh, a divergence so we can you know a distraction so we can get to the butt i guess of Aliath <laughs> yeah and, that's and what they're aiming stab for it, stab it from behind if he's got feet he's got a butt um so yeah they didn't really explain because i was like oh maybe he's using that to to pull stuff in or maybe they've somehow figured out when and where in the void new stuff is going to arrive and maybe that's yeah. they, maybe that's how they knew where tom hiddleston loki was landing at the start yeah. of the episode Possibly, yeah. That that would kind of feed into how they were able to be there in order to because they they were rescuing him essentially, yeah, uh, in a way. And it would be quite a coincidence if they just happened to be in the same place at the same time whenever he landed there. Um, I was more thinking that connection definitely works in that in that regard. I was thinking it was more they were just making their way towards Aliath because he basically just moseys around and things are dropping. It's not unlike um in Thor Ragnarok in Sakaar. Do you remember when the rubbish is dropping onto mm. the planet and portals just keep opening essentially? So that what is what reminded, uh, or that's what I was reminded of watching it anyway. But you're right, maybe there is something in that little remote control car device that uh, that he was carrying around as well. So they arrive and the USS Eldritch is the name of the, the warship that drops out of the sky and it still has all of its crew on board. So off to Google I went. And <laughs> the USS Eldritch was... A warship that was was used by the U.S. Um, during World War II, um, and there's a big internet conspiracy around a thing called the Philadelphia Experiment. Have you ever heard of this? I have. Um, it's the lovely, delicious cream cheese I put on my baguette sometimes. Yeah. Um, so, aside from your experiments with cream cheese, this is the. Uh, Basically, the rumor was that the U.S. government was using crashed alien technology that would allow them to either completely make something uh, vanish to the human eye or transport it from one place to another. So around 1943, all these um, theories and conspiracies came out that uh, they had tested something on board the Eldritch and a an ominous blue glow uh, surrounded the entire ship and it disappeared and it reappeared in another port hundreds of miles away. And the same uh, rumors and theories and stuff around it say that all the crew were, who were on board at the time 
they all went mad or there was another one where people came on board the Eldritch and people, uh, the crew had actually become fused to the ship. <laughs> so it's a huge, uh, you know, Bermuda Triangle-esque, D.B. Cooper-esque uh, running rumor in America, like this thing about the Philadelphia experiments and the USS Eldritch. So Loki is once again tying into uh, conspiracies and theories thinking that the Eldritch hadn't actually uh, disappeared and reappeared, but it had disappeared and then landed here in the void to be kind of a snack, I guess, for Alia. Yeah. Um, No, I love that the way that, again, the writers are just pulling on those real world examples uh, and conspiracy theories and just making it kind of fit in this. It's lovely when you get those kind of, oh, because now in my head, whenever I hear the Philadelphia experiment again or anything about that ship, I'll be like, I know exactly what happened. You don't remember in real life they were pruned and they went into the (laughs) void. Um, So that's that's the way it exists in my head now. But that's all that's all amazing to know. You what's this thing? Google. That's amazing. That's class your cast at googling stuff yeah thanks it's a it's a it's a mixture of googling and wikipediaing it's called nice. journalism i <laughs> incredible uh, I'm work a, I'm, everybody. A, I'm a big fan but yeah no yep. so that landing made me think oh i'm gonna have to go back and see if there is a story about some missing pizza car or if there is a story <laughs> about a, a school bus that disappeared or uh, something to do with the lunch trays or whatever that building was when we first landed in the void the, yes. the lighthouse all of that stuff is now probably laced with these real life theories that of people disappearing or places disappearing, um, and now have all landed in the void somehow. So, I fully expect this for the next day or two. BuzzFeed or whomever to have like 70, 77 examples of things in Loki that had tied into the real world of how they all disappeared in real life um, and actually they're all debunked theories because as it turns out the Philadelphia experience was massively debunked because the ship was sold like a few years later to Greece or something so all right there you go <laughs> what a what an underwhelming finish to that <laughs> <laughs> but no it reminds me of uh, do you remember that show Ripley's Believe It or Not yes and they always had like the the a room full of those kind of artifacts and things. It feels like this landscape is that is like that room in Ripley's Believe It or Not, where as you said, ooh, that's related to that case, and that's that story over there. Because at one point I thought that it looked like the Golden Gate Bridge or something as well, mm. uh, away over uh, in another section. As far as I know, the Golden Gate Bridge is still present uh, and correct as well. But there's that um, other bridge. Remember, was it there was a film called The Mothman Prophecies? Did you ever see that with Richard Gere? No. Um, <clears throat> And all these people were in the town were having like a shared prophecy and space and a true story as well of their big local bridge collapsing. And then it did. So maybe so, it's that bridge. There you go. <laughs> so don't be surprised if we see, forget Richard E. Grant, if we see Richard Gere in the next episode uh, <laughs> of Loki then as well. So they converge, as we said, uh, on Alioth and they kind of, they have an idea, they realize it's not going to work. And then we have this little bit of this calm before the storm um, as everyone kind of shares these little moments. There's a campfire. Mm. There are, I, I don't want to, we'll get to the to the icky moment. Mm. I was going to say romantic, but I know how you feel about this. Uh, not what I was going to say about this kind of stuff in general, Roy, but specifically because you believe that these two are, are brother and sister. But what yeah. do you think of this little moment? At the start, there was like, um, um, I was trying to figure out whether there was a clue in the registration plate of the vehicle, and it looked like it said GRNW1D, and I was like, GRN could be green, W1D could be wand, <laughs> green wand. Is that a reference to Loki as well? So then my head is just spinning essentially. But uh, we get Mobius 
Kid Loki and uh, Classic Loki all sitting around talking to each other in a lovely wee scene. Yeah, like this this scene here with uh, well, we have a clip of it here. It's uh, Owen Wilson and Richard E. Grant just basically shooting the shit about a, a, a magical alligator, and you just couldn't you couldn't ask for anything better than this. You really don't remember him. I mean, TVA had arrested a lot of Lokis, but no, I don't remember an alligator. I mean, who's to say he's even a Loki variant? He is green, isn't he? I don't know. He could be lying. The long con. Of course, that just makes him more likely to be a Loki. It's always the game within the game with you guys, which I respect. Yeah, so, like, that's great. I love that. So that good. I love. so good. I That is fantastic. And then we hard cut from that to icky, icky grossness. Now, <laughs> you, you, you... Owen. Why is this my fault? I'm not saying it's your fault yet. Give me a second to assign blame. So I can I can sense it in your tone. No, no, no. So you're like, Rory, why are you fine with this? Are, do you, are you totally on board with this? No, I I get... <laughs> uh, I don't... Mm, Owen? I have mixed feelings about it. I'll be perfectly honest. Yeah, my mixture of feelings are gross and ick. That's, it's those two feelings mixed together. So I actually what you're saying is you are okay with this self-cessed vibe? If this is within, okay with you? Within within the narrative of the story, yes. Oh. I can see how it works and I can see how it makes... Uh, and even you were saying it last week in terms of how it makes sense in the storytelling uh, part of it that it's taken this particular Nexus event and this realisation. None of this would hold up in court, would it? <laughs> Definitely not. Um, You're giving a I real actually, political answer and I don't, I know, I I actually, don't care I, for it. Can I, can I read you out? Because I know you've got uh, notes and notes scroller, but I actually wrote something down. I wrote down Romantic Loki first because he, he says, I could conjure you up a blanket. To be fair, Sylvie calls him on it. The worst looking blanket Awful. in the world. Like, it looks so thin and crap. Uh, she does say, is it a tablecloth? <laughs> Which is uh, fair enough. But I had in capital letters, I was like, it's getting icky, Rory. And yep. then it also, um, I could, I, I wrote I think I could hear you screaming all the way across Ireland uh, <laughs> as this scene as they got closer uh, and closer and they realized, uh, you know, are we, what's happening here? Because as I said, they don't know how to have friends and, or she doesn't know how to have friends and they kind of let it kind of trail off as well. Even though she did talk about having that postman previously, who we think might be uh, Stan Lee in his, in his FedEx delivery uniform. Yeah. Um, but yeah, were you, this all of this, you were just like ready to book basically. I... Yeah, okay, so you need to catch people up who don't live in Derry about Boke, because that was oh, another sorry. thing I had to hit Google uh, up for during the week. Sorry, Boke is, uh, yeah, it's another word for puke, basically. So you were ready to puke yeah. and vom yeah. all over your screen. I was unhappy with the direction <laughs> this, this scene was going in. Like, I just, it's gross. I don't like it. And you'd think, having watched Game of Thrones, you'd be like, well, I'm, I'm you know, desensitized to what could potentially be an incesty vibe. But for some reason, I don't know, this feels so much worse. It's just, I, I hate it. And as they were, like, as he, like, then enlarged his tablecloths so it kind of engulfed them both, I was like, oh, yeah. no. <laughs> but then... Smooth move, to be fair. There was a there was a glimmer of hope for me because she said, I never really had friends before. Yeah. And maybe that's all it is. Maybe it's just, like, she he just like he just likes her yeah. as a person but not likes her as wants to bone her and that's and the same with her 
But I swear to I swear to Christ, you will hear me cracking too if they kiss in the show. I will be it's so on. I, I know and I hate it. I it's hate. It's coming. I hate it. That's it. Do you know I what? just hate it. I, do you know the reason I think I don't mind the storyline as much as you do? This particular element is because I think I just love hearing you get so worked up about it. <laughs> and I think that that kind of clouds uh my 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 vision of it insofar as like I just the angrier you get, the funnier I think it is. So I'm ready for a full on Sylvie Loki snog in episode six for the season finale as well. Um so just before just before the two of them uh go on to to confront uh Alith and after this this little campfire scene uh as well, they all start to go their separate ways. Uh Kid Loki and Classic Loki head off in one direction and mobius kind of has this lovely moment um where they do the whole they, they give each other this big lovely hug yeah. uh, between mobius and again he says you know i'm going to go back and burn the tva to the ground so it'd be Loved interesting it. to see how much they focus on him going back into the tva then as well yeah no i love that scene i like because he was he had his hand out for a handshake yeah and mobius like nah come here we pals, um, and it was a proper hug, and I was like, oh, my emotions. And then even over his shoulder, he said to Sylvie, he's like, you're my favorite one. That was brilliant. Was like, That's yeah. so cute. And, oh, but I like, see, I don't, I'm not adverse to nice things. I just don't like it when it's, when it's, no, I don't like the other one. But, like, I did like this one. This was, this was lovely. And then he popped through, and I do hope he gets his, uh, I hope he kills someone with a jet ski in the final episode. I Is hope. that too much to ask? I don't think so. I don't think. I think they've really set up Chekhov's jet ski at this point. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I hope that's what happens for him. I, I only I only want good for good good things. And and that he does find out who what his life was before he was taken over and put into the TVA. Yeah, um, you, you can definitely see him in like, uh, what are they called? One of those little tiki bars on a beach where oh, he's yeah. wearing like a Hawaiian shirt. And, He's uh, like Paul Rudd in um, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Forgetting Sarah, Sarah Marshall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the ending we want like, Yeah, he owns like a little jet ski rental business and like Perfect. some beautiful little uh, secluded beach. No, that sounds good. But yeah, the little throw of uh, "You're my favorite" over to Sylvie was just uh, was just perfect. Then. Okay, now we're down to, to two. Uh, we're down to Loki and Sylvie. Uh, and Loki goes full um, Jurassic Park, basically, you know, with Jeff Goldblum. And he kind of lights up yep. this blade that kid Loki has given him. He's trying to get uh, Elliot's attention and it doesn't appear to be where he's over here. And then you get this Richard E. Grant. I'm going to say redemption moment. I mean, it's not so much redemption because throughout the episode, as you said, he's kind of, he's already opened himself up to everybody and we realize that he, he seems old, well. He is older, but he seems wiser, mm. and uh, he just is like this is moment. Whenever he turns around and looks back, and you realize I'm going to have to help them here, and I should help them here as well. But this was a goosebumps moment for me, and I was just thinking, how how can I be so emotionally attached to someone I've only just <laughs> like see? He only just popped up at the. He wasn't even in the last episode. He was in the credits of the last episode, and already he's had this full arc. Um, where again, that's testament to Richard E. Grant and his acting ability, uh, and the writing as well, and how they've come together to create this character. Where uh, at this moment, when he was given at socks and raising this illusion of was it just Asgard, or was there elements of other places in there as well? I wasn't a hundred percent sure. Um, but in order to dis- distract Ali, but did you like this this moment for him here? Yeah, I did. Um, 
I, I, as much as me. <laughs> no, I, I, like, it was, it was good. Like, I think part of the reason, like, it is Grant's performance. It is, he's been given some great lines. Uh, and it's also, it's tied back to our feelings about Loki himself because we feel this is just our Tom Hiddleston Loki further in the future and he's lived a very lonely life. Yeah. And we, we do have a connection to him now as well. I personally would have conjured up something that could move around and would have Alioth kind of chasing it rather than just a huge city that Alioth tries to eat. <laughs> um, it's like, that's a lot of energy to put into something that will only distract for a few seconds. So I was like, oh, that's impressive. And then immediately I was like, wait, where did he, why did he do that? Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was, a, it was a nice moment. And, and it was, I think it was, it's, it's not so much a redemption for, that Loki, it's a redemption for Lokis in general, saying they are capable of self-sacrifice. Um, yeah. But we kind of know that already because he did it before. Um, I know, I know. But it was still, like, it's it's a nice it's a nice moment, and I think Richard E. Grant is the reason why it worked as well as it did. Um, Definitely. And while all that's happening, the two, Sylvie and uh, Tom Hiddleston and Loki, have grabbed one of the smoky tendrils, and Tom Hiddleston is like, I can't do it. I don't have this power. I can't. Uh, so he was like, I believe in you. You totally can. Don't you worry about it. And then he can. He kiss. <laughs> Gross. And then they can. Uh, and they they kind of just green smoke it, I guess. <laughs> that's yeah, the best turn, way I can use it to they, describe they it. They turn its coloring from kind of blacky purpley into green. And that's how you know it's worked. Yep. That's the Loki color and it's worked. Green to go. Yeah. I love, sorry, just in that previous bit, I love that your takeaway from that Richard E. Grant moment is like, you know what? If I was a Loki, I would have done it better. So, um, I, I wouldn't have died. That <laughs> I wouldn't have died. Okay. Maybe he just want, maybe he was like, do you know what? Fuck it. I'm giving up. <laughs> you know, this is, this, this is my moment. Uh, oh, who sang that? This is my moment. This is my perfect this moment. My perfect moment. Oh, was that um, one from EastEnders? Yeah. She was in Martin Love, McCutcheon. That's the we, one. So this is this I is hope we Martin don't, McCutcheon. Uh, get copyright in the infringement for that perfect <laughs> reenactment sure. I, of that song. I think we sang it so badly, no one's going to come <laughs> for us. Um, but yeah, so this was his Martin McCutcheon moment anyway. Um, speaking of music, um, Natalie Holt does something lovely here as well, where she uh, uses uh, a slightly different version of the ride of the valkyries theme mm. tune um a theme tune the music <laughs> wagner richard wagner's uh music which is based on uh elements of norse mythology uh, mythology anyway so it's a really nice tie in here because as well we know from uh sylvie's past whenever she was uh taken from her own timeline originally she was playing with her toys and she was uh reenacting you know some valkyries coming to save people as well so as this music is playing with uh classic loki raising this um massive illusion um this music is kicked in as well so no it, it works it's it's just a nice little moment there um from natalie holt the composer as well so uh, that just adds to the to the production uh, of everything as well. And then, as you said, the enchantment works. Yeah. Um, and do you know why it works? Because they were holding hands. Uh, so that's that's uh, what gives them that extra boost of power. Yeah. And then the cloud opens up. And what are we looking at here? Because I was like, what is this this structure, this castle? Is it the one maybe that you said, you know, we spotted as we arrived in the void earlier? Is it Hogwarts? <laughs> is it Bifrost colouring? 
uh, I was kind of like, where do I recognize this from? But I, I'm not sure if I even do. So what did you think of this moment as the clouds parted? Yeah, it, it, my first thought was it's the opening credits of Little House on the Prairie. It looks, um, <laughs> it looked all golden and nice in there. And I was like, ah, uh, but we know it's, it's not good news whenever they pass through, uh, Alioth to make their way to whatever it is over there. I don't think we've seen it before, um, whatever yeah. it is. Um, and, I'm sure because again there was there was someone who was like oh Alioth is the guard dog of whoever set all this up I was like that's quite a presumption to make um because nobody really knew up until this episode that pruning people would send because all right and then we're going way back Ravana was like you can't delete stuff from the timeline you can only move it from one timeline to another one and the one we're moving it to was the void and then Alioth is there and Alioth will eat it up that's pretty much what she said right yeah why not just get a gun and shoot people in the head if that's like is that not more uh, efficient <laughs> like if you need to kill someone your stick your actual time sticks have a spear on the other end so just use that end if you want to effectively efficiently kill someone as opposed to shunting them off to this void and hopefully this smoke monster will kill them while they're there. Like, it just... That bit in particular was like, this feels a bit like it was just made up as they were... <laughs> as they as they got to episode four, they're like, where did they go? And they're like, hmm... And they just kind of cobbled this excuse together to get them over to Alioth, which will then, uh, I presume, whatever this green portal is in Alioth, will then bring them to uh, Kang, which means wherever Kang is... Han- if it is Kang is inside another dimension, inside Alioth, which is inside the Void, which is outside time of space. Like, where are we now? <laughs> it's like, Listen, all great questions. And I think we have Marvel to thank for that, or to blame <laughs> for that, essentially. Because each time, uh, they've obviously taken the opportunity in this particular series to introduce different elements of the uh, of the timeline. Um, the the idea of variants as well, like multiple... Lo- and again, like we hear Kid Loki talking about, I kill Thor. Uh, we, we have, what was that little frog one you called him again? What's Throg. his name? Throg, Throg just Throg. Throg. Um, you've got him as well. You've got uh, boastful Loki talking about Iron Man and Captain America. And God knows what those guys look like as well. So... Um, like obviously this series uh, has done what I presume exactly what they needed to do uh, before we see like Doctor Strange 2 and it's just there are so many worlds and timelines and dimensions and beings out there that it just gives them license to go do you know what anything goes now in a way because um, uh, and it feels like I never read the comic books growing up but um, it feels like this is the kind of thing that happens in comic book series anyway, when they can just take uh, different elements of it and just expand it into something else. And that just becomes uh, part of the overall universe. So in a, in a sense, it feels like these series, these shows are given the writers, the opportunity to branch out in a, in a similar kind of way. So I didn't get as hung up or as bothered by the, um, well, uh, obviously by Loki and Sylvie as much as you, but I, Similarly with the, um, oh, now we're opening up into into what is a new place. I'm just kind of, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to sit back around the campfire with the other guys and go, yeah, I'm just going to roll with this. Well, I'm like, that's fair. Like, listen, I'm, I'm not taking so much out of it that, 
that I can't enjoy it anymore. I like I said, there's parts of this that I thought are some of the best uh, Loki we've seen so far. So far, and there's there's parts where I'm like, even a single line of dialogue at some point would have helped explain some of this. Like, yeah, I'm not the only one who's feeling a little bit pedantic. Like I was, I sent this to you during the week. We had someone Hurley is their name uh, at laugh cry hurl on twitter sent in the questions like can you explain something on your podcast please or on twitter i guess but we're talking about another podcast now are all the loki variants from alternative world worlds if so why is there only one sacred timeline that the tva seems to be pruning should there not be as many timelines as there are alternative worlds and i'm like yes <laughs> yes yes is the short answer yeah there should but there isn't uh there's one and that's never explained why if one variant on one of the many timelines does something that gets the TVA's attention, we see it branch off from the one timeline. Because surely there would be infinite timelines if there's infinite variants. No? But is this yeah, but is this not the whole thing that the TVA tell us at the start? Now we know not to necessarily trust them, but elements of what they were saying originally might be true when we get this little explainer cartoon video like it was created in the nineteen eighties and it's saying there were all these timelines and what they did was they streamlined them into one, the sacred timeline. And I think possibly in episode six we might get more of an answer to this if they do happen to reveal who has uh, the man behind the curtain been pulling the strings and creating these mindless androids and what is their purpose? Why do they want to um, control all of these various timelines and put them all together and combine them into one? And why do they feel like these Lokis uh, are posing a threat to them uh, across, I don't know how many different worlds and universes as well? So it feels like we might get some more information on that in the next one. But that's the reason I think possibly that there is one is because this person, whatever their powers are, obviously... <laughs> They're unbelievably powerful, mm. especially like I love like out of all the magic and the supernatural elements and the illusions and the sorcery and the conjuring that goes on. The thing that I'm like really impressed with, I was like, wow, those puppets that they made were really, really good. Those <laughs> those robots were really impressive. Yeah, um, that's like uh, I, I don't know why that stands out. It's like amazing circuitry work, guys. Um, but yeah, so it feels like possibly we will get some kind of answer to that in episode six that might help explain uh, the answer to that particular brain teaser. I hope so. Um, I really do. I just, um, yeah, like I think it's just <clears throat> there's some there's some great setups, and I, whenever there's a big swing within the show, and there's many in this. Mm-hmm. It's always going to have little niggly questions. Um, and there's a certain point when the niggly questions are fine because, you know, you're having so much fun watching what's happening. But if it gets to lost levels um, where the niggly questions start to outweigh the fun you're having, where you're questioning, why is this happening? Why is this happening? They're not, they're not explaining this. They're not explaining this. I just hope they don't do a lost and then at the end, we're left with more questions than answers. That's my primary primary concern, considering we now only have one episode left. 
Yeah, well, we do have another season coming as well. They have confirmed Series 2 uh, of Loki as well. I'm amazed at how many times Lost has come up in this episode between the smoke monster. Yeah, it was Doctor Who last week, and it's it's a Lost vibe this week. I think it's because it's they, this this particular void area just, and the smoke monster actually did remind me a lot of Lost because it's just a, a weird place where junk seems to land and <laughs> survivors uh, are just looking for a way out. Um, so it definitely had a lost vibe to it for me. And oh. who sent in that question again? <gasps> yep. Oh my god. Hurley. Hurley. I'm going to hurl E from because of all the coincidences. Yeah, too many coincidences. There's definitely something going on. And don't forget you can use the word boke instead if you like. Thank you. Um so listen, I think that's everything covered in there. It's a chunky episode. I think it was only about 48, 49 minutes long, but it feels like a full length and no post feature credits. film. No post-credits. And no post-credits uh, this time around. No, definitely not. Um, we see some of the other Lokis and things pop up uh, just with their files, but nothing uh, that I spotted anyway to, to write home about or to talk about here mm. <laughs> today. So we're not going to do it. <laughs> um, so, Roy, thank you uh, as ever. Thank you for accepting my apology earlier. Uh, thank you to Sound Paul on Sound. And as ever... Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ of Almighty. Do you know what? I take it back, Sound Paul on <laughs> Sound. Give me an absolute hurt. Oh, my goodness. Actually, it's you know coming what? up to lunchtime. <laughs> so that's why I need to get something to eat. I need to go and have a Philadelphia experiment of my own. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to The Big Review Ski. And don't forget to subscribe to the show for more <laughs> comedy sound effects like this. Great. See ya. Great. Great stuff. High production value. <laughs>